0: scripture today is from Genesis chapter 21 verses 1 through 21. The Lord came to Sarah as he had said and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the appointed time God had told him. Abraham named his son who was born to him. The one Sarah bore to him Isaac. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has made me laugh and everyone who hears will laugh with me. She also said, who would have told Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have born a son for him in his old age. The child grew and was weaned, and Abraham held a great feast on the day Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son mocking, the one Hagar the Egyptian had borne to Abraham. So she said to Abraham, Drive out this slave with her son, for the son of this slave will not be a co-heir with my son Isaac. This was very distressing to Abraham because of his son, but God said to Abraham, do not be distressed about the boy and about your slave. Whatever whatever Sarah says to you, listen to her, because your offspring will be traced through Isaac. And I will also make a nation of the slave's son, because he is of your offspring." Early in the morning, Abraham got up, took bread and a water skin, put them on Hagar's shoulders, and sent her and the boy away. She left and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she left the boy under one of the bushes and went and sat at a distance, about a bowshot away. For she said, I can't bear to watch the boy die. While she sat at a distance, she wept loudly. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what's wrong, Hagar? don't be afraid for god has heard the boy crying from the place where he is get up help the boy up and grasp his hand for i will make him a great nation then god opened her eyes and she saw well so she went and filled the water skin and gave the boy a drink god was with the boy and he grew he settled in the wilderness and became an archer He settled in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother got a wife for him from the land of Egypt.
1: Okay, great, Uh, before we get into the uh sermon um of course when you go to conference you get freebies got a couple of freebies and anyone who can come up and tell me the name of world hope canada's ceo except for sharon because she was there that's cheating (laughs) fred you're welcome to anyone who who can come up and say her name okay i see a hand there have you got a last name Tanny and Ace. There we go. Good job. Okay, Ashley, come on up. You got it. You got it. Well done. Everyone give her a round of applause. So you get a water bottle and you get the latest update. Awesome job. Well done. And thank you, Norma, for that uh, little uh, nudge in the right direction. We all need that from time to time, right? Um, according to uh, Canada's 2021 census, uh, households are divided into three types. There's number one, persons in, in couple families without children, number two, persons in two-parent families, and number three, persons in one-parent families. Now, for Ishmael's household situation, things were a little more complicated a little more complex Ishmael's household would not have fit neatly into the categories provided by the 2021 Canadian census uh, Ishmael's dad was let's see if we can get it Abraham and uh, so was Isaac's so they were brothers Ishmael's mum was Hagar but Isaac's mum was Sarah but they all lived under the same roof Ishmael was the firstborn, but Isaac was the child of promise. Ishmael's mum was Egyptian, unlike the rest of the family, and Ishmael's mum also happened to be a slave. So in Ishmael's home, there was one dad with two sons who were half-brothers, from two mums with two ethnic backgrounds, representing two economic realities, all under the same roof. Now, I'm not sure how the 2021 Canadian census would have categorized this household. Maybe they'd have filed it uh, under the words complicated. It's complicated. Maybe they have a special filing system, a special place for households like that. And Hagar, this Egyptian slave woman, found herself right in the middle of this complication. And for many of us here, we've lived or we live in households that would be filed under, it's complicated. We were raised in households like that maybe, or even we are in households like this. Households or homes that reject simplistic categories. Here's an entry for Hagar from an encyclopedia. In Genesis 16, uh, Sarah, despairing at her uh, age of having children gave Hagar to Abram as a concubine as Hagar was not an ordinary household slave but the peculiar property of her mistress any offspring which she might bear to Abram would be reckoned as Sarai's later called Sarah in other words Hagar is a slave it kind of reminds me of that uh, book by Margaret Atwood you know the handmaid's tale And five chapters back from our text this morning, in Genesis 16, Sarah, the wife, and Hagar, the slave mistress, have a run-in due to Hagar's insolence. Something along the lines of Hagar saying to Sarah, I'm pregnant and you're not, which leads to Hagar being mistreated by sarah which leads to hagar running away and an angel of the lord appears to hagar and tells her to go back home while giving her a promise as we see here in genesis 16 verse 7 through 10 that her descendants are going to be beyond counting now i know that in today's canadian society with canada's falling uh falling birth rate which is the lowest it's been since 2003 this promise might not seem like such a big deal because it's not such a priority in Canada to have a lot of progeny, a lot of children. But in the ancient Near East, fertility and descendants were everything. So after this announcement from the angel, Hagar gives God a nickname, el roi which means the God who sees me. In fact, she says in verse 13, she says, you are el roi in this place, have I actually seen the one who sees me? And I love that phrase, right? That, that she's asking the question whether she's seen the one that sees her. And isn't that all what we all want? To see the one who sees us. To have an encounter with the almighty God who intimately knows us and knows everything about us just to see him. She saw him. She called him El Rui. So Hagar and God have this really neat connection. Now, a couple of chapters later, chapter 18, we have the incident where the three strangers appear to Abraham and they tell him that Sarah is going to have a baby. Hagar isn't mentioned in this account. Sarah laughs at the news that she's going to have a kid and then she lies about laughing and God calls her out on her lie. I I talked on this last week, uh, making the point that what God calls us out on, he wants to call us out of. Anyway, this laughing incident clearly leaves its mark on Sarah and Abraham because when the baby is born, the baby is called Isaac, which means laughter. Genesis chapter 21, verse 6, I'm not sure if we have this on the screen yet, says, Sarah said, God has made me laugh and everyone who hears will laugh with me. She also said, who would have told Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have born a son for him in his old age. And from what we can make out, Isaac lived up to his name. Most likely, a kid who loved to laugh, had a sense of humor, going through a life, going through life with a sense of joy. After all, he's raised knowing that he's the special one. He's the chosen one. He's the child of promise. What's not to be joyful about if you're that child? If you're mummy and daddy's favorite, things are good. We then jump forward a little bit to uh, Genesis 21, to Isaac's weaning party, when Isaac may have been as old as three years old. And Ishmael, the older half-brother, could have been perhaps 16 or 17 years old at this point, so you can get a sense of the difference in age. And this time it's not Hagar being contemptuous towards Sarah uh, like it was in chapter 16. Instead, now it's Hagar's son, Ishmael, who's laughing at Sarah's son, Isaac. And the word mocking that's used in this passage is the same word that Sarah used when she said, God has made me laugh, Sahak, and everyone who hears will laugh Sahak with me. And that's in Genesis 21. And here we have Ishmael who is mocking or laughing Sahak at the one whose name means he laughs the child groom was weaned and abraham held a great feast on the day isaac was weaned but sarah saw the son mocking sehach the one hagar the egyptian had born to abraham that's genesis 21 verse 8 so the word translated as mocking seems to be more than just making fun of one commentator actually goes as far as to say that such abuse could have been verbal or physical/sexual in Galatians four verse twenty nine we also get this sense that what was going on was more than just laughing at someone, because Paul uses the strong word persecution to describe what's going on here. But just as then the child born as a result of the flesh persecuted the one born as a result of the spirit, so also now. That's Galatians four twenty nine. So this moment of celebration and laughter has turned into something much more ugly and perhaps even sinister. It's like those family get-togethers where there's tension brewing under the surface and you're praying that this family member does not get into it with this family member because you know how it's going to end if that happens. Just stay on your side of the room, stay on your side of the room, pretend you're not in the same room. That's kind of what you want, right? And I've done weddings in the past where we've actually had a plan of action if so-and-so turns up. so-and-so turns up, this is what we will do. And Sarah's having none of it. Verse 9, But Sarah saw the son mocking, Sahak, that word, the one Hagar, the Egyptian, had born to Abraham. So she said to Abraham, Drive out this slave with her son, for the son of this slave will not be a co-heir with our son Isaac. Now, the word drive out here is probably talking about the act of maybe divorce, something as strong as that. So Abraham is divorcing his concubine, his slave mistress. He's sending her and her son away. And this scene ends with this conversation between Abraham and God. This was very distressing to Abraham because of his son. I I don't know. I, I'm i reading this through through the eyes of a modern man all this stuff's going out so-and-so's out on their tail they're out in the wilderness and this was very distressing to Abraham right but uh, you know it's it's like the you know the whole male thing right but uh, but you know it it would have been extremely you know distressing his son of 16 or 17 years leaving even though he was the one that sent him away but God said to Abraham do not be distressed about the boy and about your slave whatever Sarah says to you listen to her because your offspring will be traced through Isaac and I will also make a nation of the slave son because he's your offspring Genesis 21 11 to 13 so if I was to sum up this first part of the chapter of Genesis 21 uh, I would call it the downside of laughter The downside of laughter that even in the apparent brightness of laughter and celebration, there's often a shadow. Sometimes this shadow, this downside, takes the form of unresolved conflicts where what has said can never be unsaid. Or perhaps what should have been said long ago was never said and now it feels like maybe it's too late. Or maybe sometimes the shadow, this downside takes the form of a yawning gap between a husband and a wife or between two friends, a gap that's never really addressed and it just keeps growing larger. Or perhaps as a parent, this shadow looks like you advocating for your child whilst trying to keep civil and, and uh, you know, not ruin relationships when all you want to do is to release the shadow on that person that's hurting your child. The shadow can take the shape of unrealized dreams or these nebulous nightmares of what may happen in the future. Or perhaps the shadow is a feud you're to blame, or perhaps you're not to blame. Or maybe it's one of those ongoing feuds where you don't even remember who started it, but you wish it would all stop the family were gathered for the celebration of isaac's weaning the one whose name means laughter and yet just beneath the surface of this family get together all sorts of struggles and conflicts and tensions were building and it's manifested in this laughter in this mocking in this abuse in this persecution of isaac and so often when we are gathered to celebrate there is a shadow there is a downside to that laughter and we're desperately afraid that it's going to spill over that things will get out of control and so we cope by putting on a brave face carrying on with life and we learn to get used to this knot of tension inside us that never really goes away I think maybe we do ourselves a bit of a disservice when we don't acknowledge what's really going on This is why counseling is important. This is why Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous or Al-Anon. This is why these groups are so important. This is why small groups are important. Why friendships are important. This is why praying is so important. It's important because there's a downside to laughter. There is a shadow beneath the smile and we need to be honest about it listen to this short poem by Nigdor Jan if I have it I don't have it you can just hear it it says this where shadows fall another world ignites flaming in my brain monsters crawl product of a fertile mind and I run screaming but I can never escape because they are in me Our lectionary reading, one of our lectionary readings, Psalm 86, says this Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant. Save the son of your female servant. Show me a sign of your goodness. My enemies will see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped and comforted me. We also have this old song Can we find a friend so faithful? Who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. And that's what we were doing this morning. So, we've looked at the downside of laughter, how even in the midst of joy and celebration, there can be fractures that, if poked or prodded or pressed, can reveal these yawning wounds of sadness. Now, we're going to flip this image and we're going to take a moment to look at the upside of crying. The upside of crying. I shared last week about how God had released me to cry not that long ago, and so I'm starting to experience the, the healing release, of tears. And maybe the first thing to observe in this account in Genesis 21 is that there is no one in this household who is not touched by sadness. Everyone, is affected. Verse 8 tells us that Sarah was upset at the mocking of her son. Verse 11 tells us that Abraham was was very distressed because Hagar and Ishmael were leaving. And of course, Hagar and Ishmael are absolutely distraught. They're cast out from the security of Abraham's tent to the loneliness and isolation and the danger of the wilderness, all in a 24-hour period. Imagine if someone said to you, this time tomorrow you have to get out of your house with just what you're able to carry imagine if that was you early in the morning abraham got up took bread and a water skin put them on hagar's shoulders and sent her and the boy away she left and wandered in the wilderness of beersheba when the water and the skin was gone she left the boy under one of the bushes and she went and sat down at a distance about about a bow shot away for she said i cannot bear to watch the boy die while she sat at a distance she wept loudly Genesis 21, 14, 16, this is probably as low as a mother can get. She sat a bowshot away from her parched and her dying teenage son, her hope for a future, the one that God has promised would yield many descendants. This household that she had made her home in for many years has disintegrated along its fracture lines. And that natural maternal instinct to be there for her son and to comfort him in his trauma is overtaken by her inability to watch him suffer. She can't handle it. She leaves him there and she moves away. She's heartbroken. She's disappointed with God. She's watching her son die. And yet it's in this moment of greatest need that God hears and God shows up. You see, Ishmael also has a meaning, and it means God hears. And here we see God living out the very name that he gave to Ishmael in Genesis 16, verse 11. The angel of the Lord said to her, You have conceived and will have a son. You will name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard your cry of affliction. And now we have the God who hears, hearing the one whom God himself named Ishmael, God hears. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What's wrong, Hagar? Don't be afraid, for God has heard the boy crying from the place where he is. Get up, help the boy up, grasp his hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, she saw a well, so she went and filled the water skin and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy, and he grew. He settled in the wilderness and became an archer. He settled in the wilderness of Paran. And his mother got a wife for him from the land of Egypt, her homeland. In Genesis sixteen eleven, Hagar declares that God is El-Roi, the God who sees me. And four verses later, God calls her baby Ishmael, or God hears. So we've got these incredible truths implanted in this small, broken, messed up family right from the get-go. Yes, the census files may file them under. It's complicated. But God says to them, I see you and I hear you. This is the upside of tears. This is the upside of crying that God hears our tears. John Golden Gay says this, in Abraham, all the peoples of the world were to find blessing, but Sarah's action also brought an actual Gentile and her son into the center of the story. And what he's referring to is Sarah saying to Abraham, take my servant and have uh, children through her. Sarah's action also brought an actual Gentile and her son into the center of the story. And we see this over and over again in the Old Testament, right? In one sense, Sarah is our mother, but in another, Hagar is thus our mother. It's further noteworthy that Hagar is an African, a woman, and a slave. It is such a woman who stands at the heart of the story of Abraham The story thus also brings good news to women it brings good news to people who are enslaved or oppressed or have slavery or oppression in the history that has shaped them it brings good news to the people of African descent or other descent other than that of Asia in which the gospel was born and Europe in which it long found its best-known home so what are a couple of takeaways from today's lesson first Our shadows can never extinguish God's light God's plan for creating a people takes place in the middle of the stuff and the mess of everyday life including the poor choices of the people that he chose sometimes we think that our disobedience or our mistakes or our sins will derail God's plans for humanity but here's a here's a reality check you're not that powerful Yes, Sarah should have not opted to give her slave Hagar to Abraham to carry on her family. They should have trusted God. They should have waited. A lot of hurt and grief and tragedy came from their decision to not trust God and instead to take matters into their own hands, including what's happening in the Middle East now. This is as a result of this. And yet, even in the midst of that, God still gave them their their son Isaac the child of promise and through Isaac's genealogy we eventually get Jesus who is the true seed of Abraham so if you're tempted to think that your sin or poor choices or even that of others can derail God's ultimate goal of a new kingdom coming then you need to think less of the power of your actions and start thinking more of the greatness of God here's the truth God can outmaneuver your most idiotic and sinful actions to bring about his intended conclusion yes there will be consequences for your sin but you are not powerful to screw up God's ultimate plans can I have an amen Amen. second takeaway don't believe everyone's social media The Instagram post of Isaac's weaning would have showed a selfie of the family beaming and smiling with Hagar over here and Sarah over here and Ishmael there and Isaac in the middle with Abraham. But beyond Instagram there was a downside to that laughter which resulted in uh, Hagar and Ishmael being divorced devout, disowned and cast out into the cruel wilderness so don't believe everyone's social media including mine third takeaway there is an upside to crying the brokenness of this family sarah abraham ishmael and hagar caught the attention of god and this moment of hagar crying out to god in the wilderness invited him into a situation where before there was merely coping power struggles jockeying for position barely concealed rifts and never-ending competitions the desert where hagar and ishmael went to die ended up being their rebirth there was an upside to their crying because god heard And just as shadows can hide behind our laughter, so comfort can follow our tears. God heard the boy crying. The angel of God called to Hagar from heaven, said, what's wrong, Hagar? Don't be afraid, for God has heard the boy crying from the place where he is. Get up, help the boy up, grasp his hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well. So she went and filled the water skin, gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy he grew settled in the wilderness became an archer he settled in the wilderness of Paran and his mother got a wife for him from the land of Egypt Hagar thought that that was a full stop of their story out in the wilderness but it was just a comma or a dot 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 a to be continued friends we know that there's a downside to laughter if we lift the facade of success or happiness or family milestones so often there's a shadow reality of sadness and fractures and hurt even abuse maybe you know what I mean but friends we also know that there is an upside to crying crying can bring release tears can bring healing tears allow us to release stress hormones and emotional pain But the biggest upside to tears, to crying out, is that God hears our tears. Perhaps you know what I mean. You know, Jesus was fun. He turned water into wine, right? Luke 7.34 says this about Jesus, that the Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But Jesus was also the man of sorrows. He knew suffering. He was despised, you know, I don't often quote from the King James, but they nail it here. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. So Jesus rejoiced with Abraham and Sarah in the weaning party of Isaac, and he wept with Hagar and Ishmael out in the wilderness. Jesus knows both the downsides and the upsides of the human experience. And this means that we can come to him with our full-orbed human experience, leaving nothing out. And, And we don't just experience sympathy in the eyes of God, but we experience empathy in the eyes of God because Jesus was human. He sees beyond our facade He sees beyond our social media posts. He sees beyond our rictus smiles at family gatherings. And he's ready to meet us in our abandonment, in our desert, in our wilderness. To Hagar, he is the God who sees. To Ishmael, he is the God who hears. And as we see in this, in verse 19, he is the God who opens eyes. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well. So she went and filled the water skin and gave the boy a drink this was the turning point so son or daughter of god i pray that you do not reject the downside of laughter and i pray that you embrace the upside of crying and whether you're placed within a household of security and comfort that meets the categories of the 2021 canadian census or whether you find yourself out in the desert of neglect stranded and struggling i pray that god will open your eyes so that you can see the well that is there in front of you and what jesus said to the woman at the well he says to you this morning if you knew the gift of god and who is saying to you give me a drink you would ask him and he would give you living water john 4 verse 10 just hear those words again That well is in front of you Jesus is there if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you give me a drink you would ask him and he would give you living water so open your eyes see the well that God has prepared for you because God hears your tears